Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Red 5 standing by. I am Iron Man. I am Loki, of Asgard, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. I am Groot. Hello there. Yes, I'm here to fight for truth and justice in the American way. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. If you step out that door, you are an Avenger. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Superhero landing. She's gonna do a superhero landing. Wait for it. I could do this all day. Folks, welcome back to Movie Punditry. Um, Co-host uh, Randell Burns, joined by Mr. Michael Mahoney. How What's you doing, up? man? I'm good. I am good. Been uh, been back to work for for two weeks and ready for a vacation. <laughs> well, I mean, if we get that second wave, I think we're all going to be taking a vacation for a little while. That's uh, that's entirely possible. Um, how's it feel being back at work? Um, it feels good. Um, it feels like I'm doing something where, I mean, we're working short days and we're trying to keep, so, so I work with two other people, uh, and, uh, so we're like staggering our shifts so that like we're, it's not as many people there as like, we're not all there all day. So like one of us will come in late, you know, one of us will come in very late and stay later and then one will leave very early. Um, you know, so the amount of time the three of us are in the offices together is actually a very short amount of time. Good, 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 good. Um, so before we got on, I went and rewatched the first Avengers because my son wanted to see the Hulk scene where he beats up Loki. And, yo, that movie is actually really good. I don't know why yeah. I didn't have fond memories of it. I always... Um, do it in like my bottom ten if I was doing a top ten MCU. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that movie. Much better than I thought. One thing that really does stick out to me is like how much of there's these they lionize Stark in it, and it still bothers me. Like to this day, I think it's always going to bother me for as long as I live. That that whole thing was centered around Stark from beginning to end, and uh, Cap gets pushed to the back. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I, I, I don't know that that's particularly fair. I, I always looked at that whole, you know, 20 movies or whatever, 22 movies as kind of the cap and Tony's show. Yeah. It's, but it started with Tony, you know, Tony was Tony, you know, Iron Man was the one who kicked it off and it's natural that he's going to be the main through line and, and and I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but I think Steve is just as much a part of that as uh, as Tony is. Cap's third movie isn't even his own movie. That's kind of true. Well, that that part is true. But like, we got two Captain America movies, and I will never get over that. Yeah, but I mean. He's certainly the main character in the movie. I mean, it it is he's the point of view character in that film. How are you the main character when they ask you to pick a side in the lead up of your own movie? They were actually asking people to pick against you in the lead up to your own movie. 
Yeah, but that's the central conflict of the movie. Shouldn't even have been a choice. Shouldn't even have been a choice. I'm well, always that would, have, that would have been a really boring movie. No, I, I always contend Iron Man is the villain of Civil War, and he should be even further positioned as the villain of Civil War. Uh, I disagree. Tony was Tony was a dupe in Civil War. Tony was a tool, and I don't mean that in the usual way. I would mean that. I mean that. Tony was the tool that Zemo used to get at the Avengers and to get at Cap, you know, by by prying into that that one spot that he had with the death of his parents, um, and using that to drive a wedge between him and Cap. That is really kind of the crux of what that story is. But Zemo is clearly the villain in that. No, Tony is clearly the villain siding with the government in an oversight on these superheroes. And it goes back to when Cap asked him, your first time losing a soldier? And Tony couldn't handle it? Man's parents been dead for all these years, and now you find out who killed him and you want to have a hissy fit? We got a war to fight, soldier. Put that stuff to the side. Couldn't handle it. Well, he certainly does not come out looking good in that movie, but that's kind of what you want. You want Cap to be on the right side of it. It is his movie. And they should have positioned it further so it wasn't a choice and it wasn't a doubt in anybody's mind that Tony is the villain. Well, then I would... Oh, I see what you mean. Yes. Because I hate his guts. Yeah, I see. I I don't see him as the villain in that movie. I see Zemo as the villain in that movie. So I don't have a problem with Tony being the... You're kind of the pawn in that movie. And what what I hate about that movie and where I think they ruined that movie, and you and I have talked about this, is that that end scene where they make it all better. Where you see Rhodey walking around, you where you where, you know, the FedEx guy comes and you know, Steve writes the letter to Tony and blah 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 blah. That, you know, that I think ruined for me. That's the it worst did. part of that movie it because did. it's it's okay. Uh, look at the, look at the way we look at the way they ended Infinity War. They could have ended Civil War that way. They should have, and they could have ended Civil War with all these questions. Oh my goodness, is Rhodey going to be okay? Is Rhodey dead? Is Tony and Steve ever going to get back together? Are they ever going to have this? You know this thing. You know, are the Avengers done? Did Zemo win? You know, they could, they should have, to me, they should have ended the movie there where, where, where uh, Ross is interviewing Zemo, you know, and he says, how does it feel to, to fail so spectacularly? And Zemo says, did I? And that'd have been it. And that, boom, directed by Joe and Anthony Russo. And then have that scene in the raft. And the Black Panther scene. Right. Be the and post credit post credit scenes. Yep. Boom. That and picture. And that way, when you get to Infinity War, and Tony is like this whole, oh, you know, we haven't, you know, the Avengers broke up kind of deal. That brings some real weight to it. Yeah. Because you know, when Tony says that, you know, Steve's coming. Yeah. Because Steve already said, if you need me, call me. They left him a damn phone. He should. That's Steve's phone. <laughs> That ending was the equivalent as of if an Empire Strikes Back, you would have saw Han get to Jabba Hut and they unfreeze him. And exactly. you see Luke like suit up 
in the black suit and then ended it right there. Exactly. Like, they couldn't go all the way. And I don't know if it's for kid if maybe it was for kids or something. It just seemed like they couldn't bring themselves to let you walk out of the theater disappointed. And you ended up making people walk out of the movie theater disappointed. Exactly. That that's what disappointed me was that they did that. Yeah. And uh, folks, just to, uh, as a funny thing, I write that letter Cap wrote to Mike at least three times a year. <laughs> it's funny that I don't know it by heart yet, but yeah, three times a year I write him that letter just to piss him off. Um, we haven't been on in a while, and we haven't discussed Westworld in a while. Or something I think we pretty much agreed with each other on how we view that. Uh, season finale that should have been a series finale so what are your thoughts on it it should have been a series finale that's my thoughts i i really love that i think that westworld really stuck the landing mm-hmm. you know they they made that series finale interesting and there were some unexpected things in it and i think they really um came to you know, a good conclusion, a good, a good conclusion to, you know, to Dolores's arc, to Maeve's arc. And, you know, I, I had said going into it, you know, in our last episode, I said that I thought that, you know, we were going to see the end of Dolores' story and the end of Maeve's story. And I was half right, sort of. I mean, we, you could argue that we saw the end of Maeve's story, but yeah, we definitely saw the end of Dolores' story. And, you know, and I'm, I was very satisfied with that. Um, you know, and I would be very fine if this turns out to be the end for them. But um, I don't know whether or not we're going to see Dolores in the future. I mean, this, there's already another season greed lit with a potential of two more. Oh, man. What are we, we going to do for three more seasons? You know? Run around post-apocalyptic L.A. and figure out what Bernard saw, which I don't honestly I don't care what he saw. I don't care how much time passed. I don't care what we're doing with this new man man in the black. I was fine. I I would be fine if it was all done. Like I don't need another season of of, uh, Watchmen. I love the way it ended. I'll figure it out. I'll make it up on my own what happened in Watchmen. And I would have been perfectly fine with making up on my own what happened in Westworld. Or not even doing that. Just, hey, it's done. It had a really great run. Go on your peak. You know, everybody's been wrapped up in this Michael Jordan, The Last Dance. and Which which we need to talk about. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Jerry Krause breaking that thing up was a good thing. Because they didn't get to come back and get lose and, and suddenly fall off a cliff. Because all those guys were hitting mid thirties, and this is what Westworld should do: just end it. <laughs> Don't come back for another season, and it just be piss poor, and we'd be like, "Ugh, yeah, you really should have ended that thing a season ago." Like, uh, I mean, and not to really stick on sports, but Bill Belichick always has this thing: I'd rather get rid of a player a year early than a year late. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how many ball players have we seen, and and? Just athletes in general, we've seen that just hung on too long. I mean, how many people? You're right. Like, I don't think too many people go out on top. That's almost unheard of in sports. 
you usually got to force them out or get to the point where nobody even wants to sign them for like not even for name recognition alone. And I really hope that this doesn't happen with Westworld, but I think it will because I mean, and you alluded to this in a conversation offline. HBO Max needs content. Yeah, HBO Max needs content, and Westworld does enough business that you know HBO wants to keep it going. Um, obviously, there's you know one of the problems is is that uh, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joyce signed a big development deal with Amazon, mm-hmm. so. Uh, but they still got three more years left on this contract for this show with HBO. Um, so I don't know how that's really going to work out. Although I've noticed, and I don't know if you, I, I don't know how much time you spend like reading like, you know, articles and stuff on Westworld, but a lot of the interviews and commentary and stuff like that has been done by this year has been done by one of the executive producers. Um, whereas in the first two seasons, it was all Jonathan and Lisa so I'm just wondering if maybe they're going to hand this show off for season three or season Ugh. four. Um, well, that that may not be a bad thing. You know, sometimes, you know, someone takes it and they run as far as they can with it. And then you hand it off to another to another showrunner and it injects, you know, kind of fresh life into it. So um, that that is not necessarily a bad thing. Or it can go completely off the rails. Or it can go completely off the rails. Which is why... Let's, let's put it this way. I mean, they left enough They left enough food on the table to where I could see that it could be interesting. But I think they need to... And you said this. They need to go back to the parks. They need to, you know, just kind of focus on character a little more than the world building. Yes. But I don't know if those are the scraps that they left on the table. You know what and, I'm saying? Yeah. You know, certainly there's this thing with Bernard and what did he see and how long has he been in that hotel room and why mm-hmm. has he been, they got no maid service in that hotel room. How long has he been in that motel room that he's, that he's dusty like that. And why has he been left alone like that? What's going on in the outside world? It all went to hell. Nobody, nobody has deserved. Right. Exactly. You know, nobody has to, what, what is Ciroc? What's his What's, you know, going to be his um, response to everything that happened? Wait, wait. And, the, he, and the destruction he, of his kind of worldview. He didn't die? If he was ever alive, I don't know. But, I mean, who knows? And, you know, so that's the thing. Was that really Ciroc? Was, you know, you, you live in a world where you don't know who's who. Yeah. And who's really, you know, is that, you know, a life model decoy, so to speak? I mean, we've, you know, they did one for William, so... You know who knows what who knows what the circumstances are, who knows what Maeve's circumstances are. I mean, they, you know, they left some stuff that it could be interesting, um, but I think they need to kind of get back to their core business, so to speak, and get back to the parks. This would be a really cheap way of, of ending it, but I wouldn't be opposed to that. Was the end of Westworld, and now we're doing a spinoff. Like when you have where you have The Walking Dead and then you have um Fear the Walking Dead. It'd be a way to put Nolan's version of this thing to rest and then let somebody else pick up. Yeah, they could do something like that. I mean they're not gonna give away the Westworld brand, but no. Um, just... But but I think you can see where it'll be a fundamentally different show in the in the new seasons. And that may not be a terrible thing. I know. I just 
we don't often get series that end on a high note. And I really wish they would have allowed this thing to just rest easy. Yeah. Yeah, and, I don't disagree with you. And I think more shows need to do, like, if Lost is the perfect example of something that went on maybe two seasons too long, then it became this convoluted mess. And, I mean, if it's doing ratings, I'm pretty sure that the network doesn't care, hey, as long as we're pulling in the numbers. Yeah, they, think, don't, they, don't, yeah they don't care about what the content is. They just, yeah. want, it. They just want people watching it. But I think critically and as like a piece of work to look at it as an entire body, like, okay, we started here and we were able to tell this whole story and wrap up the major arcs to just bring that closure to the series. Would I thought it would have been great and it was a perfect, perfect way to do it, which makes me lead to wonder, did they intend it to end like that, thinking that, okay, this might be the end, so let's just wrap it up this way. And like you said, leave some some things there that could be picked up if necessary. I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I think I think that Jonathan and Lisa planned on taking an exit after this, um, and I don't. And at that point, you know, I mean, because the ratings have gone, even though the ratings are still fairly strong, the ratings have gone down every season. So I don't think they had any confidence that it was going to get picked up for a fourth season, or that you know the option that HBO had to extend it out through six seasons is what they were really going to exercise that option. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they were probably caught off guard when it happened as well. Um, certainly the writing to me seems to point to this being an end piece. So who knows where it's going to go? Yeah, I don't know. But even if you just keep it at this, it doesn't have to like get a lot better, but if you can just maintain I mean, I think for me, that's the best I could hope for. I don't have a lot of faith when things get handed off to somebody else. But I, don't know, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I, really- I mean, personally, I'd like to see them give Jeffrey Wright a lot more to do in another season. Like, I'd like to see it focus more on Bernard than Dolores. You know what I'm saying? As great as Evan Rachel Wood is and as great as that Dolores character is, Jeffrey Wright is capable of doing so much more than they've had him doing, especially this past season, that I'd really love to see them give him something really meaty to chew on if they're going to move forward with this. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to that either if we focus on Bernard. Um, I don't need it to be focused on Caleb. No, I don't either. I'm, I'm not a huge Aaron Paul fan. You know I mean, he was, he was great in Breaking Bad, but basically everything I've ever seen him do that's not Breaking Bad is just some version of Jesse Plinkman. You know what I'm saying? I've He seems very like kind of locked into one one yeah thing. I like, agree big, like I don't know if you ever saw that travesty need for speed but that was like basically oh, Jesse that was bad that was real bad that wasn't even you know if we included that in like the Fast and Furious franchise that would be the worst one of nah that, yeah no it would that movie was terrible. Worse than two? Because that... <sighs> two was bad. Yeah, but at least two's got like Tyrese level entertainment and Ludacris with a huge fro. So, okay, yeah, that that movie was really bad. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm really not a fan. And I was actually surprised that he got work after Breaking Bad. Yeah, well, you know, they he's one of these guys. They try to make him happy. They try to make him happen. And 
it just didn't work. I mean, that El Camino was pretty good, but that was the same guy. That was, that was Jesse Bateman. Yeah, you know, he's that's a good character for him, and and Caleb is like, like you could see him kind of warming up to it at the end. But I, I hope we're done with Caleb. I hope this next season takes place like way in the future, and Caleb's dead. <laughs> Out or out, like, Bernard's been, like Bernard's been sitting in that hotel room for like twenty years, and then host of like pretty much taking over the earth. Yes, because it looks like that's where Charlotte Dolores was heading. Yeah, could be, or there would be a war between hosts and you know whatever. And now we're just retreading Battlestar Galactica. Oh man, um, what else have you been watching over these past couple of weeks? Um, I'm trying to think of what else I've been watching. I haven't been watching a whole lot, actually. Um, I'm watching more like YouTube stuff. I did. I did watch. I mean, I mean, obviously, I've been watching The Last Dance, which is you know, I, I read a tweet today. The Last Dance is the Michael Jordan of documentaries. Wow. <laughs> so I saw where Ken Burns critiqued it. And then I was like, I don't think this guy understood what the parameters were. Like, Michael Jordan had full creative control over this thing. So you weren't going to get this really hard hitting and... Well, well, here's the thing, though. I mean, yeah, yeah Michael Jordan had, had complete control over it, but he basically comes off as a dick throughout this whole thing. And I and love I, it. And I like him for it. Yes. I like the fact that he was like an asshole to everybody. Like um, people are like, oh my god, he was a jerk. I'm like, he was an athlete trying to win. What else did you want from this guy? Exactly, and and you know the fact that he's like the worst trash talker in the league that he lets up on nobody. You know, and he's like they're in the practice or in the room, and he's just like sitting there just ragging on people. Um, that he's making stuff up in his head yes. to hate people to motivate himself. You know, when when at the end of that episode, like. When they were talking about that guy, that like guy who was like nice game Mike, and like that just pissed him off and, and made him like destroy people. And then it's like, yeah, he never said that. <laughs> I made that up. It's like that is so cool. Like that's how you get into your own head. I don't know what else you would want from a like a top tier athlete. Like it, everybody talks about they complain about sports. Like oh, I don't think these guys try hard enough, or they they're just in it for the money. Then that's what you want from these guys. Guys that just want to be out there and destroy their opponents and are going to bring it every night. I love yeah, it. Exactly. Ex- exactly. And the fact that, you know, you, you have multiple guys, like like top-tier basketball players, like who are sitting there going like, yeah, I never should have said that. <laughs> you know? Because, so, I, because in game one, I said something. And in game two, like, Michael scored like 60 points. You know? So, folks, uh, we are not a, a sports podcast. We're just really kind of geeking out over this. But somebody made up a really good, brought up a really good point today in the terms of like the Mike and LeBron stuff. You never hear LeBron's peers talk about him with the reverence and fear that Michael Jordan's peers do. And we're talking about like Hall Absolutely of Fame not. caliber players. Like they absolutely they, not. The Celtics beat them, and Larry Bird said, "God, I just played God." Like, exactly. That's insane. Yeah. No. Exactly. And who was it? It was you know Reggie Miller calls him you know Black, Black Jesus or whatever. And it's like that is insane. I don't. I'm not sure. 
Is there any other athlete who was talked about that by his peers that you can think of? At that level? Like contemporarily? It's just how throughout no. history. No, no. I mean, I mean, maybe you could say Babe Ruth, but okay. I don't think Babe Ruth's was career was long enough to really yeah. like, like, and Babe Ruth was like kind of after the fact, so to speak. But mm-hmm. I can't like Richard Petty, maybe. I was gonna say maybe him or like maybe Dale Earnhardt Sr. De- definitely Dale. Yeah, that's a good point. Dale was that guy. Dale was Dale was the Michael Jordan of of stock car racing because Dale would put you in a wall. Dale would do everything to torture you while you're out on that track, you know. And then he would like pay your mortgage payment behind your back. Kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like he was like everybody loved him and they were terrified of him at the same time. And you, that's a really good analogy. I think that's probably the best analogy. It's it's been a really good documentary. I liked and, it. And but and and what I've enjoyed it is, is like like you know me like I'm right now I'm not big huge into professional sports and I haven't been probably for twenty years. But at the time Michael was playing, I was huge into sports. Yeah, and I loved and I loved the NBA. Um, you know, I was a Knicks fan at the time, but you, you couldn't help but love the Bulls. Yeah, I mean, you loved them, but you hated them, but you loved them, and. You know, I loved that game of basketball. I don't like the game of basketball today. And and it's not to disparage it. It's just, it's, to me, it's just too technical. It's too finessed. Like, that game, if you watch those games, and I think tonight, like, ESPN was replaying the, the, um, it's gonna the, be the, mo- game, the 98 game six, right? It's going to be tomorrow with commentary. Okay. Or since Wednesday, with you, com- Wednesday the tw- was that the twentieth or nineteenth with commentary? Yeah. If you're new to it, like if you watch basketball today and you weren't watching back then, you should watch that because because it it was a different game. It was much more physical. It was much you know it was it was more brutal. It was more and I don't mean brutal like you know, but it was just a more physical game. Like you know, Michael like I've seen all these analogies like could Michael Jordan play? You know, if Mike if LeBron played then, Michael Jordan played whatever like. Michael Jordan played today. He dominate. He 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 dominate for the first quarter when he would foul out. Well, so here's the thing: I don't even think he'd foul out because at between from that 96, 97, 98 is when the game starts to transition to what we see today. You're taking away the hand check. You're right about the time you're taking away the hand checking, and you're going to allow guys to play zone. The space that he would have had on the floor would have been incredible because now you're also getting rid of. The three you're gonna institute the three in the key, so the centers can't clog the lane anymore. The you're getting rid of the five second back to the basket. The space would have been incredible for a guy like that with that athletic. Yeah, I, I just think I mean you know I'm being facetious, but I just yeah. think the physicality of the game that Michael Jordan played that he would go through you. But a qualm. LeBron plays the same way. Yeah, but no, he doesn't because those that say well, you like. You watch some of those plays mm-hmm. where he's like literally pushing people out of his way. So that, that you can would, do on the perimeter. Looks, you can't yeah. do it on the inside now. Right, but he did he he would do it everywhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and not that's not a criticism. That's the way the game was played in the nineties. You know, I don't think LeBron could hang in the game and hang in the nineties. You know, I think the game would be the guys are too big, the game was too physical. 
and but I, you I didn't have a guy that was his size and moved the way he did. And like LeBron? at six eight and two sixty, and runs just as fast as anybody else on the court. I think he would have adjusted really well. Remember, this is a guy that was an all-state football player as well. So physically, he could maintain. I don't know. His shooting wouldn't have been his, what the mid-range game would have been his issue. But physically, he'd have been fine. Maybe. I mean, you're you're more versed in today's NBA than I am. I haven't really, you know, and it, it was funny because it's kind of like like watching that reminded me like especially Rodman I yeah. hated Rodman as as great a player as Dennis Rodman was and he was he was the defensive player when he played when he was on the game n- nobody could touch him but but that was just it he had a he played when he wanted to play and he did what he wanted to do and it was it was about Dennis Rodman you know and that that was to me that was a big turnoff when you're watching guys like Michael Jordan and Reggie Miller and Scotty. Oh, you're watching guys like Scotty Pippen, who was the lowest played guy in the league basically, and was in was in Michael Jordan's shadow his entire career. You know those uh, those other guys, the John Stocktons of the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you watch those guys leg it in and out every day and give 150 percent, even though they're not in the limelight. And then you watch Rodman. You know, that was just a big turnoff to me. That, that, that stuff never bothered me. I And I've, I've always been, like, really pro player. Like, because I always looked at, like, yo, this is your job. Some people bring it every day. Some people don't. So that stuff never bothered me. Like, I love – because also, like, that adds a bit more narrative yeah, to the game. Yeah, but Michael brought it every day. He you did. Know? So everybody's wired different. Like, there was, there was that in, like, the, I think the first or second uh, episode where they were – talking to like his coaches in North Carolina and the guy, the, the one coach was like, yeah, Michael Jordan was the only player I ever had who could turn it on and off. And he never turned it off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Wednesday they'll show game six with commentary. And then I like what they're going to do. So this Sunday you get the Lance Armstrong documentary. Then you get the Bruce Lee one, which is really smart on their part. We don't really have much live sports. So you've got these, 30 for 30s. Oh, yeah, and you get to show you get to show all these things and you you know I, I you know I I I was watching this thing like crazy man. I would just sit down Sunday night and watch 2 hours of bas- of old NBA basketball. It was great. Um where the UFC's come back, they had some good fights on. A baseball still trying to figure out baseball and basketball are still what trying to figure out what they're going to do. What they're going to do, yeah. Um NASCAR's coming the baseball, back. And the baseball players are pushing back on this. Yeah, because some of the stuff I heard was like they're gonna have to take four buses because you got to socially distance, no showers right, at the clubhouse. They're, well, not only that, but they're basically gonna be quarantined. So it's gonna be like you're gonna travel with the team, and that's it. You're not going home. You're not going out. You're not doing. You know, you're staying with your team. You're getting on the bus. You're going to the ballpark. Then you're getting on the bus and you're going to the hotel, and that's basically it. And these players are like, uh, no, that's tough because it's like. Don't play and don't get paid or play under these really like, you know, I mean, these rules are in place for a reason and get paid something. Right. I mean, everybody's got to adjust in this time. Like I said, I'm always pro player, but they kind of got to suck it up on this one and maybe just have to do it. 
Yeah, but you know, a guy, and it's understandable. Like I saw a guy on today who was talking about, like, you know, he's his wife is pregnant with their first child. That's tough. And he's like, you know, and she's due like whenever, like in August or something like that. So he's like, she's like, what? So I have to, I have to leave the team two weeks before the birth. Yeah, and go and go sit by myself in a hotel room somewhere and hope I don't have it, and hope I don't have it, and then then I can go, you know, to the to see the birth, and then I have to sit in a hotel room for two weeks because I've been around people before I could rejoin my team. <laughs> you know, yeah, that is that is tough. I saw. Like in wrestling, Roman Reigns still hasn't come back. Right. Um, one guy, Sami Zayn, right after WrestleMania, he was like, "Yeah, I'm not doing this anymore." And have you watched? Have you watched any of those WWE events that they're filming in an empty arena? Yeah. Down in um, at first, it was really awkward because they were playing up as if the crowd was still there, and then finally they just and you could see the empty seats, and finally they put like these big video walls where the seats would normally be. And it's their venue, like they own it. It's called the Performance Center, and it's 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 weird because even when they have a crowd, you can tell like, well, there's not a lot of people there, but they've done a good job of of not of making it feel less awkward than it did when they first started. What happened was they were shooting it still like a regular show, and then have you ever watched AEW? No. So they're the promotion that. Uh, Dusty Rhodes' son, Cody Rhodes, and a couple other guys, they they came up with the concept. The son of the guy that owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, he's bankrolling it. They were performing in empty arenas too, but they they were shoot they weren't shooting the crowd. Um they got tighter shots on the wrestlers, and then finally they started putting wrestlers in the crowd, but they were socially distancing and they'd wear masks. So WWE like instantly copied the way they were shooting the show. So it was like less crowd shots. They told people to stop playing up to the crowd as if they're there, play up to the camera. So it's not as awkward, but WrestleMania was really bad, which I really firmly believe they still should have canceled it. It was not good at all. They had booking, admittedly had booking decisions that they wouldn't have made had there been a crowd, but you got some wrestlers stuck in Canada, Texas, California. So they're literally just working with the people that are either live in Florida or in the case of like a guy like Edge, he lives in North Carolina. So he'll drive down every, like he's driven down twice. That's all they have. And they've called up a lot of people that are in their development system to wrestle on Monday and, and Friday nights. Um, but it's yeah, it's different. Like, you know, then they had the massive like releases of all these people because they claim they can't afford it, but they have these huge billion dollar TV deals, which kind of it's like, yeah, you kind of can't afford it. But one of the things they were doing, because they knew AEW was coming, they were basically going out and signing all the independent wrestlers to these huge $300,000, $750,000 deals. And the people whose contracts were up, they're just throwing boatloads of money at them. And they're just warehousing these guys. They weren't even using them. Or if they did, they use them so sparingly. So now, you know, the pandemic hits and it's like, crap. We're just, they just let a bunch of these people go. The f- bad part is a lot of these people were asking for their releases. And pre-pandemic, they're like, no, we're not releasing you. Now you release them. Well, they can't go wrestle anywhere. There's no independent shows. AEW is not signing anybody. So it's they've done some real nonsense. And then, you know, the XFL shuts down after they said they were going to come back next year. So it's it's not good over there. And then he had a report that Triple H sold off, I think, a million dollars worth of stock last week. So now you got people speculating, are they going to you know sell the company? What's going to happen? 
Vince isn't a spring chicken. <laughs> it, That's true. And it, like, so they had their last pay per view, and they did it at the um, headquarters of Stanford. These guys fought in the building, and then they put a ring on on the roof, and they fought on the roof. So, we'll see. Well, I mean, you know, I, I guess they're trying to make hay where they can, you know, and do whatever, you know, do whatever they can. I mean, it's it's a tough deal. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen with uh, with baseball. That seems to be uh, kind of the next big kind of worry about it, you know. So. I mean, it's already it's already May. Yeah, the season you know the season should have started two months ago. So, I don't think basketball coming back. Yeah, if it does, it'll be a really short season. I mean, but basketball, you know, they could start they could start in October and still put together a season. But I mean, you haven't even finished this one. I mean, we just yeah, that's true. And this might have been LeBron's, you know best last chance to get a ring you know a lot of people are saying like he needs to rest but i was watching this on espn he made the point he goes actually at my age i'm 35 i need to be playing i don't need to be sitting down exactly uh, i sit down i risk injury he gets tight yeah yep so and they i know that they had said a uh, the players union had a conference call and it was like him and a lot of the guys that were older were pushing like let's like finish this season right you know because which which is a smart move let's yeah. let's call it a day you know, we'll come back and we'll finish up the season. It'll just be one three-year season, so to speak. I wouldn't be surprised if they just start the playoffs, like go whatever right. the rankings were and just start the playoffs. Exactly. But this thing has decimated everything. Um, I see Mandalorian. They said it's not going to get pushed back. You you believe that? I do believe that because they've um, they're they've done shooting, so. It's just basically post production at this point. And they can they can do a lot of that, you know, remotely. And um, have you been watching that documentary at all? No, I'm not a big behind the scenes guy. It's to me, it's it's really fascinating. One of the one of the really interesting things um, that really came out of it is they did one episode where they focused on the directors and. You know, I don't know how much you know about like typical TV series production, but but basically what happens is is those shows are written, those shows are run by producers and writers, mm-hmm. and the directors come in. Um, other than like when a series premieres, and you'll notice sometimes like a series will premiere and they get some big name director in, and you know that person sets the tone for the series, right? Yeah. But then after that, typically what happens is the director is just the guy who comes in week to week and, you know, basically points the camera and, you know, throws a little stuff in there, but it's not his show. Yeah. It's not like a movie. You know what I'm saying? It's the writers and it's the producers who run it, you know, and the director is just the guy to, to come in and, and shoot that episode and make that episode happen. And maybe they put a little bit of their own flavor on it and maybe, you know, whatever. But, you know, it's not that big a deal. And and the the guy who's directing episode five that knows nothing about episode four and knows nothing about episode six. He's just there doing his own his doing his own stuff. Right. But but what was going on in this is like all of them were together all the time. That's cool. Yeah. So, you know. 
So Deborah Chow is directing an episode, and you know, and Filoni's there, and and Bryce Dallas Howard is there, and you know, they're all there, and they're all giving advice, and they're all kind of talking, so that it's one more coherent piece. Yeah, and that was really interesting. The other cool thing was that it was there was like three different guys who played the Mandalorian. Oh, really? Yeah, like Pedro Pascal. Like there was one episode, but Pedro Pascal wasn't even in it. Why'd they do he that? Go, he was off to, because, because he's in a mask the whole time. I don't know. I want I would want to be the guy. Like, let me be the guy. That's always bothers me about Power Rangers. Well, he is the guy, but but there's stuntmen, you know, there's they have a guy who specializes in fighting. Yeah. And they have a guy who's a weapons master. I, that makes sense. Right. So when the big shootout scenes, they have this one dude do it. When it was like the the fight scene. You know, in the in the Mandalorian lair, they had another dude do it, and you know, for for most of the stuff, it was Pedro Pascal. But there was one episode where, um, I guess, he was off filming something else, and he's not even in the episode. Wow. Um, you know, usually I give my little comic book update. So DC has killed off Alfred Pennyworth. Really? He, yes. And at first, doesn't I was, he doesn't he have a TV show? Eh, well, in the comics, he's dead. I, uh, at first, I was upset when the, the store owner told me. And I got home, I read the book, and it was done masterfully. So, to catch everyone up to speed, the, the big thing this past couple few months was City of Bane. Uh, Bane, it was it's pretty much the lead up to it spanned a year, and it had nothing to do with Bane, but he eventually gets control over Gotham. Bruce is like, sends Bruce off out of Gotham similar to Dark Knight Rises with the Exile, and he has Alfred hostage, and he basically tells the Bat family, if I see any of you in Gotham, I'm killing him. Well, guess who tries to go and save him? Damien. Um, Alfred gets killed, and basically the issue where they go over his funeral and whatnot, it's handled masterfully. Alfred's dying wish was that they get together as a family and just spend time with each other. So they meet up at this bar, and Everyone offers a toast and shares a memory of Alfred, but it's everyone shares a memory. So it's Jason Todd, uh, Red, geez, I can't remember, uh, Red Hood, Dick Grayson, who has amnesia, so he's going by Rick Grayson, Batwoman, Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, Damien, and Tim Drake's Robin and Bruce. Everyone gives a toast and talks about their favorite memory of Alfred, but they're also chastising Bruce because it's like, look. This guy kept us together. You would bring us in and just turn your back on us or would only come if one of our lives is like literally we're in from dying. So they say something good about Alfred and then pretty much give Bruce hell and walk out. And the last person there is Dick Grayson going by Rick, who's like, look, I don't remember who I am. You tell me like, you know, Alfred's best memory of him. Bruce says, I guess. Rick was following Alfred around and noticed that he would always go to where his parents died on the anniversary of their wedding and leave roses. And uh, he says, Dick basically said, like, you know, you have to fix this. You can't keep bringing in these sidekicks and then not treating them like family. You have to be Alfred. You know, your dad was dead. Alfred's your dad. And then you tried to be sort of our dad. You need to be our dad. And at first I was upset, but I'm like, okay, this is going to force Bruce to change and he needs to evolve. 
So I'm okay with it. And the issue was great. The art was great. So I'm excited to see what they do going forward. And yeah, the wow, next that sounds, that sounds great. The next big thing is a, uh, I think it was called the Three Jokers, and he's found some way to like take control of people. And I guess he's taking he Dick basically gets his memory back, and he takes control of him to like take out the rest of the family. So we'll see how that goes because they're going to start taking shipments of comics. I think the twenty seventh. Yeah. So I'm happy to get back in the comic book store. Yeah, that's good. Um, anything you, you want to touch on? What do you go to? You go to the one down on Fairfield Avenue? Or? Yeah, I go to Row Comics. And so if you are in the yeah. Connecticut, Southern Connecticut area, please check out Row Comics. Um, or wherever you live, check out your local comic book shop because these guys are hurting, man. They're, they're going to be open soon. They're going to start getting uh, shipments of comic books. So please hit them up. Get something from your pull list if you got one. Anything before we get out of here? Um, no, you know, I don't, I don't really think so. Um, I mean, we've, we've pretty much touched on the stuff that we were going to touch on, you know, Westworld and, and the Michael Jordan documentary. So I think we're good. Okay. Uh, folks, as always hit us up, uh, you can hit me up on Twitter and I still don't know my Twitter thing by heart. Ardell Burns 47. No, uh, no. See? This is Ardell Burns, bro. Just, just Ardell Burns. Uh, Mike, where can they find you at? MikeEmo1741. Right. Everywhere. Everywhere. It's my Insta. It's Facebook. It's Twitter. It's my Gamertag. I'm pretty consistent. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Join us uh, soon. Peace. Peace and stay safe. <laughs>